Welcome to another episode of Conversations and Connections. We're the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. I'm Stuart Burson, the Prevention Coordinator for the agency. And with me today, we have Maria Rodriguez uh, with uh, the Family Crisis Center. And uh, we're going to talk to Maria just a little bit. and Maria, I don't know if this is your sole specialty or what uh, about, but we're going to kind of talk about the need for services uh, when it comes to the Hispanic community and and for immigrants um, and things like that. So Maria, thank you for coming in. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And Maria, just for the record, what are are what is your title? Are you a? I, and I never can. And shame on me. I can never remember if you're a legal advocate or an advocate or what is your role here? I'm a bilingual legal advocate. Okay. Also case manager. Okay. So, well, let's talk a little bit about your job here at the Family Crisis Center. As being a bilingual legal advocate and case manager, what um, what is your job here? What, what are your responsibilities? What services do you personally provide uh, clients that come into our agency? Well, because I am housed here in Lufkin, but also in Crockett, okay, um, I am the only one that is there, so I handle the hotline. Okay. I handle all the calls that come in. I do the intakes, and I handle the crisis. I do the case management and legal advocacy and child advocacy. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I'm in Crockett. Okay, so being... Um, I guess you would say your main office is in Crockett, I guess, where you're yes. at, right? Yes. I cover the Houston County, okay, Trinity County, Polk County, and San Jacinto County. Okay. And okay. I also work here in Lufkin. Right. Because I know I see you a couple of times during the week, at least. Yes. <laughs> so. I'm here only Tuesdays and Fridays. Okay. Unless okay. I need it over there. Sure. Sure. Uh, okay. Um so how is it over in Crockett? You know, in a rural area, if you're the only one in the office, um, are there times when you really don't have anything to do? You're just kind of waiting for clients to come in, or does it pretty that, much keep you busy? That's time to catch up with the paperwork. Yeah. And I do other legwork that I have to do in different cases. Sure. So um, there has been time, but not as many as busy. Right. Because of uh, the counselor, because she goes there once a week, um, that helps uh-huh. when, when that person okay. is there. Sure. So one of the reasons I wanted to bring you in on in, in on the podcast is that you are bilingual, and which I'm sure is a huge benefit uh, for the agency and for the work you do. Yes, it is. And it makes my job a lot easier being able to be bilingual because I can handle the the case myself and don't have to bring an interpreter. Right. Now, you're housed in Crockett, but what do you, will you are you ever brought in to Lufkin or any of our other areas if there's an if there's a need for a Spanish speaking um advocate? Yes, I do. Okay. Um it used to be that I was the only Spanish-speaking advocate here in um, in Lufkin, so I handled all of the Spanish-speaking clients in, out of Angelina County. Okay. 
But now that we have another person, we have several that speak Spanish now, and it helps out a lot. But I still, if they, we have a walk-in, and I'm available, and they need a bilingual, I, I take that. Okay. Even if they're not bilingual, if, even if they're not Spanish-speaking, I still help with intakes. Yeah, sure, mm -hmm. sure. Walk-ins. Right. So, you know, one of the things I was wanting to ask, and I was trying to think of a way to word this question properly, for Spanish-speaking or Hispanic uh, clients that come in, is there, or I guess just in the community as a whole, is there a difference on how domestic violence is reported or viewed in the Hispanic culture? Does that make sense? Do you know kind of what I'm getting at? Yes, I do. I do. Um, that's one of my um, jobs that I do, uh, educating the immigrant, undocumented, or documented client. Okay. Um, and uh, and then we have some that are Spanish-speaking as well, only. So uh, I educate them, and by the time they get to me, sometimes it is, they already, uh, the incident happened, they called the police, there was not an inter interpreter, uh, the abuser gave his side because remember he spoke the language and, and not the the client. So uh, if it goes wrong, they're not going to call the police again. Right, right. <laughs> no, that's fine. Important phone calls coming in, right? Okay. Um, is there, are there, have, are there, any instances, you know, because when we talk about domestic violence, a lot of times we talk about the power and control and different ways the perpetrator can tries to gain power over the uh, the survivor. And sometimes I'm wondering, like in the Hispanic community, does that play a factor with the, let's say, the perpetrator knowing English and the survivor not knowing English and not letting the survivor maybe learn English and having that? one up on them maybe that is a huge factor um it happens a lot really we see that a lot um talking about different countries mm -hmm. a lot of people think uh spanish people mexico but you're talking <laughs> about different countries yeah. and um the, some may be the rule some are little villages so here are these um people being brought over here by their aggressor, their abuser, uh, believing they're going to have a different life. But then when they come over here to the rule, they isolate them, and all they know is what they knew from their country. Uh -huh. And really, are they learning anything here? They're not. Right. Because some of them don't even have televisions here. You know, you have some that don't even have a radio or... I mean, so they're just isolated, isolated from world news or things going on in the yes. world? Yes. And... I have uh, I have had several uh, clients that tell me that the only time they went into town was to go to Walmart. They never went to the mall. They never went to other shopping centers or other grocery stores. Just Walmart because they could get everything they needed from there. Clothing, right, yeah. food. Um, so, um, and that's all they knew. Right. Wow. So, it, it, it is. It is a big factor. So... Um, I guess one of my questions is also in the Hispanic community, are survivors ever reluctant or concerned about reporting abuse 
because of the fear of maybe being turned in to, uh, you know, as possibly, you know, illegal immigration or f- concerns or things like that. I just wonder if that ever plays a factor in within the Hispanic community of people not wanting to report abuse because of fear of the police finding out they may not legally be here. Yes. Many immigrant victims experience an increased risk of violence in the home and exploitation in the workplace. So not only are they facing that at home, they're facing it at the workplace. Abusive partners or other abusers often exploit a victim's lack of immigration status. Yeah. They're going to exploit it or or dependent immigration status as a way to maintain the power and control and to keep victims silent. Immigrant victims are, fr- are frequently threatened with deportation by their abuser, increasing their reluctance to seek help from the authority uh, or services. <laughs> well, your phone's just, your phone's blowing up this morning. Well, I thought I turned it off. <laughs> you're, no, you're fine. So really, that does play a part in, mm-hmm. I guess, the perpetrator trying to keep that power in the situation. Okay. Yes, uh, the ongoing threat of deportation, whether from the abuser or because federal immigration policies, uh, I'm going to take your children away from you because you don't work any and even if they're working, you're working and getting paid under the table. They're yeah. going to deport you and char- file charges against you for, for committing fraud. And um, and then you won't be able to uh, pay your own rent. You're not going to be able to do anything for your child. So they, they'll use that also. Yes. As a way of keeping them silent, I guess. Yes. Say. So what are the attitudes once... They finally do come forward for whatever reason, uh, and I would assume finally either they've just had enough or the abuse has happened, and they they finally come to us and seek to seek help, and they talk to you or one of our other um, advocates, and they realize, hey, nothing's going to happen to you. You're not going to be, you know, sent away. You're not going to be deported or anything like that. I'm sure there's a sense of relief. For that person. Yes. Um, I've been doing this for 31 years. There used to be a time that I felt that I was setting them up because there were so many barriers yeah. that I wasn't able to help them with. But now we're in 2021. So we have the U visa and the VAWA that will assist uh, a victim of, of domestic violence or sexual assault. Uh, be able to become a legal resident. They were able to get a U visa or a VAWA if now, they file charges. Now, what it, you're going to have to explain to me what that is, a U visa okay. or a, what did you say, a VAWA? VAWA. VAWA. What, what is that? VAWA is a Violence Against Women Act. Okay. Okay. VAWA happened uh, back in the, like, 94, 92, 93, something like that. I remember I was so excited. So what that was and is, is if someone is married to a legal resident or a U.S. citizen and they're victims 
of domestic violence, it could be emotional, verbal, physical, psychological, um, they can apply for this, for the VAWA. And not only can they apply for themselves, they can apply for, for the children as well. And, uh, and this little umbrella of the VAWA, they would keep them safe and they won't be a, able to be deported because okay. they're, if they have filed an application, they're, they're okay. Okay. Now, even if she left children behind in the other country, it will cover those children as well. Okay. Now, here's the thing with the VAWA. They, have, they had to have been married with that person, common law, and have the proof that it was a, a good faith marriage. And their partner has to be a citizen. You right? a citizen okay. or a legal resident. Okay. So the, the f good faith... Um, that they have to be um, married. The good faith really is that they got married for any reason except that I'm going to get your legal papers. Yeah. That's not a good faith. Right. It could be someone could come to me and say, Maria, you have three children. I can provide for you and the three children. Marry me and I will be able to provide for you. Even if you don't love me, maybe later on you'll love me. That's good faith because it, as long as it is okay. not about I will get you legalized. Just so you can be legal, I'll marry you. Yes. Right? Oh, wow. That's the vow. Okay. So here's the thing with that. When that happened, I was excited, very excited with it because now I had something to offer the clients. Yeah. But then you had... All these victims, they were undocumented, and the abuser was undocumented. Well, and that was going to be my next question. What if the abuser and the survivor are both undocumented? Well, in 2000, another law came out, the U visa. Okay. Okay. Years ago in uh, Victoria, there was a trailer with a lot of immigrants that, that the coyotes... They were bringing them over here, left them in there, and, they, and a lot of them died. And they were kept seeing things like that. And, and the reason I say that, because it was close to us. So there were uh, a lot of situations where undocumented people would not report it. They wouldn't report what was going on with them. So what they did was um, the FBI, immigration... All of these people got together and said, let's do like an incentive. If they report it and they help law enforcement mm -hmm. get all these criminals out of here, we can uh, provide a U visa. So the U visa is not only for domestic violence. Anyone that is a victim of somebody else's crime. Okay. But here's the thing. They have to have filed charges, filed police reports. Okay be able to work with law enforcement and give them the information they need to get these criminals mm -hmm. and uh, work with the DA, the county attorney, the prosecutors, you know, wh whichever one it is, to be able to uh, arrest these people. Now, because some people are not educated and they're scared of filing charges because they're already being threatened, if they ask them, do you want to file charges, or they're arresting the person, and they may say something like, I didn't call you. The neighbor called you. 
do whatever you want to do with him. That's not cooperating, so you do yeah. not qualify. So by that time, when they come to me, depends when that happened that I am able to go and advocate for them. Right, right. Okay. And, uh, and, and depending what the situation was, and maybe they were just scared because they're asking them in front of the aggressor. or and, and even if the state picks it up and they did not ask them, because if there's enough evidence um, in, and, and the state picks it up, as long as that person, the victim, cooperates with them, they will qualify to apply and it's a long process. I have people from 2014 that are just now getting their permit. Wow. Yes. Okay. Man. Uh, well, I don't know what so, to say about that. That's that's such that's such a long time. That's very discouraging sometimes. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um I want to touch on real quick um you know, besides just having someone to interpret for a um, for a survivor of domestic assault, I mean, domestic abuse, sexual assault that, that comes here to the agency, we go beyond that. It's, we do have, of course, we have like support groups for, for our clients, but uh, we do have special support groups for our Spanish-speaking clients, yes. right? Yes, and I provide those uh, Spanish-speaking support groups. Um, one of the things that VAWA and U-Visa look at as well is that the victim be able to get some sort of counseling, uh-huh. therapy. So even though we don't have counselors here, we, we have a connection with Crossover, and there's a Spanish-speaking uh, counselor there that the agency, Family Crisis Center, pays okay. for them to get the counseling there. So that's a piece that, that um, they're going to need for the VAWA and the U visa. And there's a lot of other uh, paperwork that needs to be uh, gathered. And I help them get all that gathered. I don't help them with the U visa. I connect them to the people that will do, but right. I do that. So the support group is part of that piece as well because I'm able to give them a certificate and they're able to show that they were doing everything they needed to do, and they educated themselves as yeah. well. I have a larger group than the other uh, ad- advocates do because of the Spanish language, uh-huh. and they don't have a lot of resources. So that's what, wh- why I have more. And then also, um, a lot of the clients have been coming here coming here for years in 2014 they still continue to come because of the support and they mentor the the new clients they're coming yeah. in yeah awesome so they're also giving back great uh before we wrap things up is there anything that you want to talk about or make sure that we mention before we kind of wrap things up um besides um Working with uh, undocumented immigrants or immigrants, Spanish-speaking uh, advocates, I also assist uh, English-speaking uh, uh-huh. clients in um, Crockett. But one of the things um, that I also assist with is if they need to get a divorce, if they need child custody, protective orders, and I interpret, I translate all of the protective order in Spanish. And... Um, and I'm also used for translation and interpreter 
for anything that they need concerning with their goals because they set goals and if they need me to go and uh, be able at at uh, the doctor's office if they don't have someone that interprets yeah i'm able to do that okay. but um because of the laws now a lot of people do have uh, a lot of agencies do have interpreters and then uh, the domestic violence education um i do that also in spanish and um as well as the information and referrals very good. All right. Maria, thank you. I appreciate you coming by. You You're did welcome. a great job. Great job done there. Thank uh, you. Again, Maria Rodriguez uh, with the Family Crisis Center. Uh, if you have any questions about what we've talked about, you can email us. Our email address is conversationsandconnections at fccet.com. And also, if you feel like you need our services, uh, we do have a 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week hotline. Uh, even if someone is Spanish speaking, they can still call the same hotline. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes, they do get a hold of uh, one of the okay. advocates. And that number is 1 800 828 7233. That's 1 800 828 7233. And be sure you can su- be sure to subscribe to Conversations and Connections. We're available via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or the podcast service of your choice. And as always, remember, be the voice, if not for you, for someone else.